you turn with me in your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 2, <clears throat> we're going to continue on from last week. And now, last week we were discussing and talking about how those who have faith turn to God in adversity. That we look to God in times of trouble. That even crying out for help, looking to see, where are you, oh my God? How do you stand so idle here? Even turning to God, questioning where he is, is a moment of faith. And that we would look further that God is in control of all the things, that he is the justifier, and he is the just. He is the judge of all. And we continue to look at how we can trust in God's sovereignty and we can wait on him. But let us go to the Lord in prayer before we get into this. And one, one thing, one request I have is that you would remember our brother Nick Yakovich. Tomorrow at 7 o'clock he'll be going into surgery. Um, so just pray for him tomorrow and, and today and just keep him on your minds and, and pray that the Lord would um, give the surgeons wisdom and give him peace and be with Ruth as he goes through this. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that even the council of this earth, the council of the nations, is nothing compared to your wisdom. That the horses that rage and the armies are nothing compared to your strength. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God who has spoke things into existence. And then you speak to us, revealing yourself to us. Thank you that we can come to you in faith, in times of trouble, in times of joy, that we can shout to you with songs of joy, that we can sing praises, proclaiming your name, that we can be a people that is your people, that we can call the Lord our God. Thank you for bringing us out of the darkness into the light that we can walk in faith in you. Lord, I pray that you would be with Nick tomorrow and his wife Ruth as, they, as Nick goes through surgery. I pray that you would bless the surgeons and give them wisdom, give, them, give Nick and Ruth peace, keep him safe, Lord. I pray that you would be with Phil and Rita as they travel back. Lord, I pray that you would bless this congregation, draw us near to you, increase our faith, that we may trust in you, looking to you in times of trouble. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, give us understanding of the scripture, be with me as I speak. Lord, I pray this as we go forward in our worship today, on your day. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Last week we went through chapter 1 and we discussed Habakkuk, a prophet that came forward questioning in a time where Jerusalem was at a time in this unjust time. People were rising up, the rulers were being um, unjust to the righteous. There was no justice, the law was paralyzed, Habakkuk says. 
that justice was never going forth, and it seemed like the unjust were ruling, that they were prospering, that there was a time where he felt as though God retreated or moved away from his nation. And so Habakkuk cried out in faith to the Lord, How long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? But the Lord came and answered Habakkuk in an oracle. He showed that he was going to use another nation to come and bring discipline on Jerusalem. That he was going to take this Chaldeans, the ones who believe and trust in themselves, they, that their strength is their own God. He's going to drive them, put a hook in their nose, pull them down, and bring discipline to Jerusalem, that they would turn to him, that, they would, that Jerusalem would look to God for salvation. The Lord answered Habakkuk saying, I'm going to be doing works that if I told you, you would not even believe. And so we looked at this and we looked at how we need to trust in God in our times of troubles. That we need to look to what he has spoken in his word. Look to his character, that he is sovereign and he is just. That we can trust and wait in him. That he is doing things that is beyond our understanding. That his wisdom is not our wisdom, but it's wisdom that is high above ours. His ways are not our ways. Our ways are not his ways. And our thoughts are not his thoughts. He is a perfect, just God. And that if we put our faith in him, he will deliver us. And so he continues on to talk about how he will bring in the Chaldeans to bring in justice. That he's going to use another nation just as he has done in many other ways, in many other times. That he uses vessels of wrath. That he uses unrighteous nations for the purpose of discipline in his children. And so he talked about how these Chaldeans trust in themselves. They're, they have no fear of anybody. They don't even fear God. And Habakkuk replied, saying, Okay, I believe this. I know that you have ordained them for judgment. And you, O rock, have established them for reproof. Habakkuk believed God that his justice was going to go forth. And then he says, but then what about their justice? What will happen to them? And he replies that he is not slow, that he will, he will do this. He will bring justice to them. And in this next chapter, we will look at the woes of those who do not have faith those who do not fear the Lord. We ended last week with chapter 2, verse 1. How after Habakkuk 
was answered by God again, or answered, God answered him with saying that he will take care of Jerusalem. Then Habakkuk came and questioned God about what will happen to the Chaldeans. He comes back stronger, with his faith stronger, saying, I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. We can look that Habakkuk was taking a stand. We must take a stand and stand firm in our faith. Knowing what God has revealed to us, knowing what God has said to us in his word, that we can trust in what he has said and stand firm. That although things seem to get tough and things seem to come more and more and that uh, evil seems to uh, take over and be prosperous, that justice seems to never want to come, that we can stand firm knowing that the Lord is our God, that he is our rock, that he has ordained all of these things to work to those who love him, to work to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that they would be conformed to his son's image, Christ Jesus. So we must look at this and know that in times of adversity, when things seem to have no hope, when we seem to be overtaken by troubles, that we can stand firm in the faith, knowing that our Lord is in control. And he stations himself at the tower. And while he stands firm in this faith, he is waiting. He is waiting for an answer from God. He is looking to the Lord and trusting that he will answer, waiting expectantly. And so when we're told to wait in the Lord, we're told to be still and know that he is God, it is not some idle, faithless act, but instead it is trusting fully, knowing that God will answer us, knowing that he will be there and work everything to our good. And so when he stations himself at the tower, Habakkuk is looking for this answer. And his faith is increased even more with the answer that God gave him about how he will bring justice to Jerusalem. And he puts himself looking up, keeping his eyes fixed on God, trusting and knowing that it is the Lord who saves He's looking and waiting to see what God is going to say and how God is going to reply to his complaint and what he will answer and what he will think of what God's response is. So let us go to Habakkuk 2, verses 1 through the end of the chapter in 20. 
I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write a vision, make a plain, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. His death he has never enough. Like death he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Shall not all of these things, all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long he loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them, because you have plundered many nations. All remnant of peoples shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life, for the stone will carry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood, and finds and founds a city on inequity. Behold, is not is it not from the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor merely for fire, and the nations weary themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and will make them drunk in order to gaze on their, at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and to all and all who dwell in them. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies, for its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who, who says to the wooden thing, Awake, to a silent stone arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. There's a contrast here between the righteous and the unrighteous, those who trust in God 
and have faith in God and those who trust in themselves. He gives these woes to those who trust in themselves, that we may look at these not just to see that this is what the Chaldeans were told, but to warn us and to have us examine ourselves and see, are we in the faith? Are we trusting in God? Or are we trusting in ourselves? The Lord, when replying to Habakkuk, told him to write it, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. That these, this vision that God has given Habakkuk should bring fear to us. Fear of the Lord, knowing that he is the Lord of all, and he is in control of all of these things. That even though our wrath as human beings against each other might seem scary or fearful, but that the Lord's cup of that is overflowing in his right hand is sure and it is something to be feared. For still, in verse 3, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. The Lord is saying that there is this day of judgment that is coming. That those who do not have faith in him, that do, those who do not trust in him, those who are counted unrighteous for their trust in themselves will have their due. They will have the what is owed to them at this day of the Lord, this coming day. So we must look to God trusting that he is not slow, as some count slow, but he is patient, willing for all to come to repentance, willing for all to come to seek him, to seek after him, to look to him in faith. There's an appointed time that the sovereign God knows that he will bring down justice. That what is unseen will be seen. That the sins of all, the hearts, will be revealed. Woe to them who do not have faith in Christ Jesus. God's promises are sure. The promise of justice is sure. God does not change and he does not lie. His promise of judgment is sure. If it seems slow, in the end of verse 3, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright with him within him. Those who are puffed up in pride, those who trust in themselves, those who look to themselves as the one who is strong or the one who brings security to their own, the one who trusts in their own wealth, their soul is puffed up and there's no righteousness in them. We see this with the Chaldeans. In Habakkuk 1.11, they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. They thought that they were the strongest nation, 
They were the strongest thing and the thing to be feared on this earth. But God says that he uses them as an instrument for his purposes. Just as though when Hezekiah was told to go forth to Sennacherib and say, this hook is in your nose. I bring you down, I bring you up. God is in control, and God is to be feared. His justice will come. But those who do not fear him are puffed up and full of themselves. Verse 4 continues. And Paul quotes this in his letter to the Romans. But, and it's quoted several other times in the New Testament. But the righteous shall live by his faith. And this is twofold. The righteous are righteous because they're counted righteous by their faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted righteousness to him. But also, those who have faith, those who are counted righteous, walk by faith, not by sight. They trust in God and his word rather than the circumstances that are at hand. They can look beyond and know that God is in control and sovereign over all things. So the righteous shall live by his faith. This is an encouragement and a commandment that we are to walk in faith, knowing what God has said, believing and hoping in his deliverance, believing and hoping in his justice, believing and hoping that he is the justifier, that he makes the righteous just through the work of the righteous one who is Jesus Christ, but he also is the judge who brings down the judgment that those who do not believe are already condemned because they do not believe. But those who believe those who desire the truth come to the light so that their deeds will be exposed. They're made, brought forth, that it is be manifested by God, that it is God who is work in them. And so this contrast between the righteous and the unrighteous is made clear. And God continues and gives these warnings to those who have faith in themselves, those who are puffed up and believe in themselves, those who think that they are their own gods and they're in control of their own life, those who think that they're the ones that make things happen rather than the God that is our Lord. Verse 5, Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol, like death he is never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects his, as his own all people. That the wealth, this word here in wine is sometimes translated in other translations as wealth. Moreover, wealth is a traitor. That those who have their treasure on this earth, that treasure wealth, 
that treasure the things of this earth, that treasure status, position, that those who look to things that are seen in their heart, trust in them, are never satisfied. Because we know that things that are seen corrupt, that they rust, they fall apart, they decay. That if we store up our treasures here on this earth, that's all we have. That's all our reward. But we're to look and store up our treasures in heaven, setting our affections on things above, looking to Christ Jesus as our treasure, as our pearl of great price. But those who look to themselves and look to this world will never be satisfied. But those who look to God, who hunger and thirst for his righteousness, that have faith that God is the only righteous one, that there is only one good, that he is the Lord, that if you do not trust in this, you'll never be satisfied. But if you look and hunger and thirst for righteousness from God alone, you will be satisfied. The warning is this, that you will always look for more and more. You're going to gather up more and more. And it will continue on to not just bring things to yourself, but where it affects you against other people, sinning against them. Everything that is done without faith is sin. And everything that is done without faith leads to more sin. Sin gives birth to more sin. Verse 6, Shall not all these things, all these, take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long and loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise? And those who awake who, those awake who will make you tremble, then you will be spoiled for them because you have plundered many nations. All the remnant of the people shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth to cities, all who dwell in them. This is like the man who was forgiven his debts in the parable that Christ told. He was forgiven his debts by his master, but then he went forth and looked for those who owed him. He wanted what was his because he thought he was entitled. So often we see in this world sense of entitlement. That when we have pride and we think so highly of ourselves, if you think you're something, you're not. You're deceiving yourself. But if you look to Christ who is all in all, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. But if you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. That if you look forward and look to those who may owe you and not have a forgiving, merciful attitude, but instead look to what you think is yours, woe to you. That in an entitled attitude, thinking that you have something owed to you, 
whether it's money, whether it is credit, whether it is praise, whether it is anything. The only thing owed to us is condemnation and death. But by the grace of God, he gives us faith that we might trust in him. That we can look to him and walk by faith and be counted righteous. But woe to them who heaps up what is not his own. If we look at what we have as my house, my family, my car, my ministry, my job, my name, my title, we're just stewards of what is given us. Everything good is from the Lord. Everything we have is from the Lord. To rise up and say, this is mine, is to not understand that God is the provider. Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. It continues on in verse 9. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, who sets his nest on high but to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life, for the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond. That when you go and look to other people, those who don't trust in God's provision, steal. Those who look to themselves and trust in themselves, murder and steal, taking not what is their own. But this woe is to say that even the house will cry out. The foundation of the house will cry out saying that this is from unjust, selfish gain. That it is from evil that this man prospers. Woe to him, in verse 12, woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city in inequity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor merely for fire and the nations weary themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Those who go forth and gain by building their towns, by building their legacy through unjust ways, fail to understand that everything happens in God's control. That nothing happens without God having it happen. That in due time, his glory will be shown throughout all of the earth. That all things are working to bring glory to himself. That even what man intends for evil, that God uses it for good. Good for his people and glory for himself. That the greatest crime, the greatest sin, the greatest death and murder that has ever happened, that God who came manifest in the flesh, came and walked and dwelled among us, lived a most perfect life, did not revile against anyone, 
and he had total faith in, in God the Father, he was murdered. But he was put to death to bring glory to the Father. And the Father brought glory to the Son. That when we go through adversity and we see these who are stealing, who are murdering, whether it's just in their minds and their hearts and their intentions, or they're actually acting out on it, we have to know and trust in God that all of these things are working to bring glory to him. Verse 15, Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourselves and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you. And utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beast that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to the cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to those who bring shame and corruption on other people. And of course, they look to bring shame and corruption on others. They speak evil against one another. They put down on one another. They judge one another to try to exalt or make themselves look better. They exalt themselves by putting down other people, being conceited, looking down on others. But rather, we're to have faith, humbly, looking to others as more important than ourselves. But rather, those who have no faith try to make themselves look better. Think of the Pharisee in the front of the synagogue saying, Why well, thank you, God, that I'm not like all these sinners. Look at all these people. They think they have faith. They think that they're religious, but I'm so great. And when they exalt themselves, really, they're bringing shame on themselves. That their puffed up soul is not upright in them. And they fail to recognize the destruction that's going to come. That God will bring utter shame to them. Instead of having them be exalted, he's going to bring shame on them, exposing them. He says, drink yourselves and show your own circumcision. Drink yourselves. Let your guard down and show that you have no uprightness. Circumcision was to show a separateness from the world. That you would declare that you are not to be like the world, but you are put apart, set apart for God. It was to show a difference. But he says this, you drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. And that the cup in the light the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter shame will come upon your glory. There's this promise again of the judgment that is to come. Woe to those who trust in themselves. Woe to those who build up idols. Verse 18, 
What prophet is an idol when, it is, when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. When we make gods in our own image, when we exalt the things of this earth, when we build up things and worship them, there's no life in them. We'll never be satisfied. We'll continue to devour one another. But instead, we're to look to the living God, the one who has breath, that has brought life from his breath. The living God who lives, who was, who is, and will ever be. That the one who was killed and murdered has risen and is alive today at the right hand of God the Father. That we can look to the Lord who is in his temple and we know that if indeed we've been born again and we have faith in Christ, he dwells not just among his people, but in his people, giving us a seal of the Holy Spirit that we can walk by faith through the Holy Spirit. So let us look to Christ and trust in his work. Walk by faith, looking to look for his spirit to guide us, looking for his word to correct us, humbly knowing that without Christ we are nothing. And by his grace we can be counted righteous. By his grace, when the judgment day comes, we will stand before God, accepted by the blood of Jesus Christ. But then we will bow our knees casting our crowns to him, giving glory and praise. So let us wait on him. Let us look to him, standing firm in the faith that God is our deliverer. He's our rock. He's the one who we can look to, that we can have refuge in him knowing that whatever happens in our circumstances on the outside, whatever happens to us going on with evil people trying to rule over us, that we're to humbly submit, not reviling against the others, but instead overcoming evil with good. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Let us trust in the Lord that he is the judge and just, that we can look to him and have faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you are the God who spoke everything into existence, that you are the God who is in control, that all of the times, all of the things, the king's hearts, that all of the nations, 
that even the worldly counsel is nothing compared to yours, but it's all in your hand to bring glory and honor to you, that you work all things to the good of those who love you and are called according to his purpose, that those who mean evil against each other, all the things that were meant to be used for evil will bring glory to you because you are the perfect wise God who is just. May we trust in you more and more. In Christ's name I pray.